This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. You're listening to Qalam Institute's podcast. Visit us on the web at qalaminstitute.org and join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash qalaminstitute. Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته So alhamdulillah we started off a previous session talking about the adab of ilm and the etiquettes of knowledge and seeking knowledge and for the student of knowledge Today I wanted to continue inshallah with that same thought with that same uh, inshallah uh, that same basic topic, inshallah, I wanted to continue it on forward. We left off yesterday in the middle of some advice given by Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, who, of course, along with being one of the companions of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam, was also one of the most knowledgeable of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasalam. This is completely off topic, but there's actually narrations from the Sahabatul Kiram radiallahu anhum, Abdullah bin Abbas, Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhum, great Sahaba of that caliber, they actually say about Ali radiallahu anhu that if all the knowledge of the Sahaba. All the knowledge that was present at the time of the Sahaba was divided into ten parts. Then nine parts of it belonged to Ali radiallahu anhu and one part the rest of us all shared. And these were very amazing people. These are people like Ibn Abbas and Ibn Umar saying this about Ali radiallahu anhu. So he really was somebody very remarkable. In fact, what you're doing right here, um, studying Arabic grammar and starting off with the very basic uh, parts of Arabic grammar. Have you guys been told how Nahu, how Arabic grammar was codified? Okay. Even the codification of Arabic grammar, it began with Ali radiallahu anhu. Ali radiallahu anhu had hired a tutor by the name of Abu al-Aswad, who was a master of Arabic. He had hired him to teach proper Arabic, like Fusha and um, Sarf and Nahu and Balagha and all of the, the, the intricacies of the language. He had hired this tutor, this master of language, to teach his sons Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhumah, to make sure that they really, really had a firm grasp of proper Arabic. Because the Islamic empire at that point in time was expanding rapidly. And with that came... All types of influences were now being um, were, were now coming into play in terms of language and culture and accents and dialects. So the the, the pristine nature of the language was being eroded away. So at that time, Ali radiallahu anhu hired out Abu Laswad and told him to start teaching Hassan Hussein radiallahu anhuma. When Ali radiallahu anhu saw his abilities and saw that this 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 young teacher is very qualified and extremely capable, Ali radiallahu anhu at that time told him, "I would like for you to begin codifying Arabic grammar." We are entering into a time, we are entering into an era of Islamic, uh, of, of the world overall, where Arabic now needs to be preserved. Something that was not codified for centuries needs to be codified now. People will have to be taught this properly. And then he told them, he said, I want you to begin with this. Al-kalimatu ala thalathati aqsamin. Words, the word is distributed into three types, three categories. What are they everybody? Number one. Ismun. Number two, fi'lun. And number three, harf. Ismun wa fi'lun wa harfun. And then he said, go. Start from there. I'll get, I'll get you started. You know, I've been teaching my daughter how to ride a bike these days. So, you know, you just kind of hold them and you let them go. And then they crash. But, so, 
But uh, so um, he got him started. He said, "Al-kalimatu ala thalathati aqsamin ismun wa fi'lun wa harfun." Go. And then he said something remarkable. And this shows the respect that they had for ilm. They didn't consider even the most trivial. This is Ali radiallahu anhu. This is a man who was given so much knowledge directly from the Prophet That his own contemporaries, great men like Ibn Umar ibn Abbas are saying, he possessed nine-tenths of the knowledge that was present in our era, in our generation. But what does he say about simple things like codifying Arabic grammar? He says, if I did not have the responsibility of the Khilafah, if I had not been given such a huge burden to carry, I would have committed my life to doing this. And so anyways, getting back to the point, so Ali radiallahu anhu, I want you to have some context about who we're talking about. This is not me giving you advice on the etiquettes of seeking knowledge, this is Ali radiallahu anhu. So what does he say? He says that there are six things that you need to have if you are to succeed in this journey of seeking knowledge. We started talking about them, dhaka'un, apply yourself. You need, to be, you need to be bright, you need to be sharp, you need to apply yourself. And part of being bright and sharp, and I kind of skimmed over some of these because we were kind of a little bit pressed for time. One thing I wanted to talk about is a big part of being bright and being sharp and being intellectually present and fully, like, like what we like to say in our common lingo, like being in the zone. Like be, part of being in the zone in class is preparing for it accordingly. Preparing for it accordingly. So if I'm up till 2 a.m. chatting on Facebook with a friend back home because I miss him so much, right? And then I wake up in the morning in a rush and I just kind of run out the door. I didn't properly prepare. I didn't, you know, eat a good healthy breakfast. I didn't do any of that just because I created a problem last night and that problem is carrying on into the, into the morning. And I show up for class and I'm out of it till like 10 a.m. Like, you know, I was just out of it, man. No, you weren't just out of it. You know exactly where that's coming from. You know exactly where that's coming from. So when you are out of it, you need to go back and look at why am I so out of it. Now, if you truly are not feeling well, if you're sick, if you're ill, that's a different issue. But with young people and with energetic people and especially people who have freed up their time solely for this endeavor, for seeking knowledge, you need to be very disciplined about your schedule. You need to be disciplined about your time. You know, um, most of you might know, I, I teach a class on khushur, concentration, focus within the salah. One of the key pieces of advice that I give about having khushur and quality in the prayer is you have to make that a very important part of your day. Because you will prepare for it as such, and then however you prepare for something, the better you prepare for something, the more on top of your game you are when you actually engage in that activity then. You know, if you go to play ball, if you go to work out and you stretched out from before and you got, you know, you, you got, uh, you know, you ate something healthy before you got some protein in your system and you stretched out before and then you go, you're obviously going to do a lot better than you would have if you just kind of randomly started playing. So it, it's all a consequence of how you prepare for something. So dhaka'un, be mentally present. Intellectually apply yourself. And you will have to naturally prepare for it as such. You will have to save your best for here in the classroom. Alright, the second thing we talked about was Hirsun. Gotta want it. Gotta want it more than anything else. You have to want it more than anything else. You know, and, and just to get, you know, the, the lengths that people would go to to seek knowledge. You know, there's a beautiful incident. We've all heard this before, but I was just reading over it and it just, it, it never stops astounding you 
how much these people valued their ilm and the approach that they took to ilm. Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhumah, again, we all know who he is and we all have heard much about who he was. He says that after the Prophet ﷺ passed away, he left this world. And Ibn Abbas was very young at that time. He says, whenever I would hear, whenever I would hear that anybody had any knowledge, anybody had heard any words directly from the Prophet of Allah ﷺ, he says that I would go to that person's house myself to go and ask him about that. And then some of his students actually narrate what they would see. They would see Ibn Abbas going to somebody to learn something and his students say that he would go to those people. And when he would get to that person's house, if he found out that person was taking a nap during the afternoon time, he would literally sit down outside of the door on the ground. He'd just sit down, just wait. And then it says, and then he would sit there and wait for that person until that person woke up. And then what would end up happening that entire time? He would literally become completely covered in dust. Because this is the desert. It's like waiting outside somebody's house in Texas. Can you imagine what that would be like? At this time, by the time that person came out, you'd be sunburned. You'd have like the most amazing tan you've ever had. Right? And you'd be like sweaty and nasty and sticky and dirty. So he's in the desert. So he literally would be covered in dust by the time that person would come out. And then finally when that sahabi would exit his home and see Ibn Abbas sitting there, يَقُولُ لَهُ يَبْنَ عَمِّ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمُ O son of the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, meaning O cousin of the Prophet ﷺ. Meaning by saying that, what they, they would immediately express their shame. They would immediately express their remorse and regret at the fact that you waited here for me. You are the cousin of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. مَا جَاءَ بِكَ Why did you come here? هَلَّا أَرْسَلْتَ إِلَيَّ فَأَتِيكَ Why didn't you just tell somebody to come and get me? I would have come running to you if you needed something from me. He said, لَا أَنَا أَحَقُّ أَنْ أَتِيكَ No, no, no. I am in a better position to come to you. فَأَسْأَلُكَ عَنِ الْحَدِيثِ and then I can ask you about the hadith of the Prophet That's that hirs. That's that desire. That's that want. So that's very, very important. And in the midst of this discussion on hirs, this desire, this want for knowledge, one thing I wanted to talk about, now I'm going to start to interject certain practicalities. Yesterday was still kind of an overview, just get a feel for knowledge. But I'm going to talk about very practical, on the ground type of things. When you free yourself up for a full-time study of ilm, for a full-time study of the deen, you have to prioritize. You must prioritize. You have to. Alright? Many of you, many of you have probably been activists in the community in a number of different capacities. And that's something that makes you the ideal student. That's something that makes you the type of student that we welcome here and that I look forward to teaching. But please also understand that right now, number one, at the, list of, at the top of the list of your activities, outside of a few basic things, which I will talk about later. But in terms of your religious activities, the top of the list is you are a talibatul ilm. You are a talibatul ilm. You are a student of knowledge. 
And so there will be many opportunities for you to volunteer, many opportunities for you to engage in different programs, and let's do this program, and let's organize this activity, and let's go out and do that type of a program. And we used to do this where I'm from, and we would do that where I'm from. Your number one responsibility right now is to study. That's it. That's it. And I'll tell you the difference between the type of educators in the community today, teachers, Imams, shiuch, whatever you want to call them. The type of teachers that you see in the community today, there are many people who study deen. But there are some that you would go out of your way to study from. And there are some that, you know, you didn't necessarily seek out to learn from, to study from. And the difference a lot of times between people who have studied, and we have the utmost respect for everyone. But the level of benefit that they're able to provide later on to people is oftentimes the secret of that is found back when they were a student themselves. They didn't just get their homework done. They didn't just finish class time and that's it. They didn't just get the exact amount of work that was needed to just get by. They didn't do that. They were the people who went over, above, beyond what was required of them. Because what was required of them, what, what they sought, what the hirs, what they sought, what they desired, what they wanted was not the approval of their teacher. Was not to just pass the program. Was not to get a stamp on the portfolio. That's not what they were after. They were there to please Allah like I talked about. And they were there to really understand and learn their deen properly. So they did whatever they needed to do. And they applied themselves beyond what was asked of them. And that's very, very important that you apply yourself similarly. So there'll be many different things that you can do. And that you probably thought, I'll be out there studying, I'll have a lot of time on my hands, this is when I'll get this done, this is when I'll get that done, this is when I'll get that. No, 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 no. No, no, not at all. You came here to accomplish something, to work on something, to begin your journey. And you need to get off on the right foot. And so outside of this, and this sounds very sometimes contradictory coming from somebody who's active in the community themselves a teacher themselves, an imam themselves. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you that the Muslim community here has a lot of needs, just like everywhere else. And many people will look to you to try to even ask you to help them fulfill some of their needs in their community. We are at the service of the ummah. And I would be giving different advice to a part-time student. Somebody who takes a few classes a week, somebody who studies in the evenings, something like that. But a full-time student? Who has made the type of sacrifices that you've made? No, no. Number one is your studies. Put nothing above, nothing before your studies in terms of any type of religious activity. This is your deen. This is the other thing. We sometimes consider studying to be something separate from the deen. Oh, but what am I going to do? My get my ajr? What do you think happens over here? This is ajr. This is fi sabilillah. This is in the path of Allah. This is every second that you spend learning, studying, preparing. This is all recorded as ajr for you. In fact, the scholars of the, the great scholars of our past would say that the talibul ilm, the time that he spends in studying, that is more valuable than praying nawafid. Praying extra voluntary prayers. Sitting and learning is more virtuous than that. There's a hadith of the Prophet wasallam. That learning one ayah is better than praying. A hundred raka'at of nafil prayer. The Prophet ﷺ has said that. 
So this is your primary activity, and I need you to really understand that. I really need you to wrap your head around that. This is the number one place where you should be applying yourself. All right? So any type of activity that goes on outside of here, may Allah bless it, may Allah accept it, you came here to do something very specific. So understand that. That's number one. That's hifs. That's that want, that's that desire. Number three. We talked about this yesterday. Istibar. To be patient. And part of that is to have trust. Trust in the process. Be patient. Tie yourself down. And follow the advice that's given. Because it does lead somewhere. Number four was balagatun. See things through. That's self-explanatory. Don't be a quitter. That's not an option. And a lot of times, because of the culture that we live in, again, a very consumer type of culture, oh, if I don't like that, then I'll just order that. Or if I don't like this when I order it, then I'll just return it. Or when you buy a cell phone, that you can come in anytime within the next seven days, and just give it back and take another phone. Right? There's always an option. There's no other option here. You came here to learn, and you will continue to learn. That's the only option. There's no opting out. Alright? Number five was what irshadu ustadin. And the guidance, the direction of a teacher. Very, very important. Extremely important. And I talked to you a little bit about this yesterday. I gave you those examples where the Prophet ﷺ is learning to pray from Jibreel ﷺ. Allah could have given him wahi ilham. Allah SWT could have put it directly into his heart exactly how he's supposed to pray, when he's supposed to pray. Why did Allah send Jibreel ﷺ? To initiate that system. That learning and teaching system. We know the hadith. You just finished a month of Ramadan. You probably heard this hadith 10,000 times. That every Ramadan, the Prophet of Allah وسلم, and Jibreel ﷺ, what would they do? Quran. They would read the Quran to each other. They would recite it to each other. The Prophet was reciting the Quran back to Jibreel ﷺ. The teacher-student dynamic. Hadith of Jibreel, I gave you that example yesterday. So it's very important. Extremely important. It humbles you. Number one, it humbles you. Somebody who doesn't learn from someone else, somebody who doesn't teach, who has not been taught by someone else, there's nobody to put that person in check. There's nobody to tell that person, watch yourself. Uh, uh, uh. Nobody says that to that person. And they don't tolerate it from anyone. So it humbles the person. Regardless of how knowledgeable you become, it keeps you humble. And another very important thing is, and this is something that is another very tragic separation that's occurred in our times. We sep- today, ilm is a commodity, unfortunately. Ilm is a commodity. Ilm is like money in your pocket. Ilm is like the value of your house. Ilm is like how many miles you have on your car. That's ilm. It's a commodity. It's worth something. So we measure ilm. We compare ilm. And we put literally we are putting almost like a price tag on the ilm in the sense of we treat it as a commodity. And what do I mean by that? The other intangibles, if you want to call them that. The akhlaq, the character, the humility, the dignity, the nobility that a believer is supposed to conduct themselves with and even beyond that a student of knowledge is supposed to conduct him or herself with. We consider that completely independent of their ilm. Like that has nothing to do with knowledge. Brother, talk about the knowledge. So if I told you we're going to have sessions, we're going to study ilm, and I went off talking about akhlaq and good character for two hours, like, uh, when does the knowledge begin? Because that has nothing to do with that. You know, part of the traditional system of learning was you would go to learn. I, 
and I personally experienced this, and I can tell you about this from firsthand experience. I'll give you, I'll tell you very openly, very candidly, what was going through my head. So when we go to learn, all right, you have made a huge sacrifice, all right. Some people are here from California. Some people are here from New York. That's the farthest place I can think of in the U.S. from here. All right. So people are here from very, very far away, and I respect the sacrifice you've made. But when I was when I first went when I was about 10 years old, and then later on I went back when I was 17 years old, went halfway across the world from here to Pakistan. So I want you to understand what that involves. So being young, being away from your home, being away from your family, and then very frankly, honestly, as a kid from the suburbs, all right, I was all of a sudden now in the middle of a third world country. I mean, it was insane, it was crazy. I thought I was going to die, all right? Now, I'm in that situation, what the, but I, know what, I knew what I came for, and I was okay with the sacrifice I made, because I I, there was something I wanted, and I knew I could get it there. That was in knowledge, I wanted to study. So now what happens? I show up, I'm ready to learn, I got like a bunch of notebooks stacked up, a bunch of pencils sharpened, I'm ready to go, drop the ilm on me, I can take it. Bring it. And... It's like, okay, I'm supposed to sit there in class quietly, not being directly taught anything, watching the teacher teach somebody else. And then, you know, go with the teacher to go give a lecture over here. Go with the teacher to go give the khutbah over there. Follow the teacher to, the, to, to where he's going to sit down and answer some questions, a fatwa session, to the Darul Ifta where they would answer fatwa questions. So sit down there quietly on the side. Run and go get some water when the teacher needed some water. Ask the next person to come on in. Go and make copies of this for this person. And on top of that, go clean up the masjid. Go sweep up the masjid. Go pick up all the books. Take these books from this classroom to that classroom. That was literally the first like three, four months of my time there. And it was extremely frustrating. I came there to learn. I, alhamdulillah, I was a sharp kid. So I was like, I'll be tearing this stuff up. Bring it on. And next thing you know, all I'm doing is running errands. That's all I'm doing. And I'm just sitting around watching all the action happen. It's like, when do I? I didn't, I didn't come here for this. I was like, this close to like reevaluating my, my, my decision. Reconsidering what I had gotten into. And I was at the point where I was literally begging. Let me study. Please let me study. And at that time... When that desire, when that zeal for knowledge was at its peak, that's when he opened the page, and he gave me one line, and he said, go. And I was like, no. And he said, go. That's it. I tell people when, whenever, uh, many of the classes I teach, what I'll be teaching you here, what I'll be teaching you in about three to four weeks later on, the ajrumiya, the matan of ajrumiya, we would be taught that in six months. Six months. And our schedule was a lot more hectic than your schedule. We would start before Salat al-Fajr. We would have an hour-long session before Salat al-Fajr. Then we would go for Fajr. Then we would have breakfast. And we'd come back around 7 a.m. And then we'd study till 1 p.m. And then we'd have a break for Dhuhr and lunch. And then we'd come back after Dhuhr from 2.30 to 5 p.m. And then we'd have an evening session from Maghrib to Isha. That was our daily schedule, six days a week. And took us six months. Because literally, we teach us two words and he was like, go. That's the value of knowledge was understood how valuable this ilm was. 
And then the biggest lesson that we were learning that entire time that I failed to realize through almost halfway through my studies. So I wasn't as sharp as I thought I was. It was a little dense. But I didn't realize the most valuable thing we were learning that entire time was the, was the character, was the akhlaq, was the conduct, was the amal, the, the wara, the taqwa, the way he conducted himself, the way he spoke, the way he walked, the way he talked, the way he interacted with his family. That's what we were really learning. That's what we were really learning the entire time. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about here in terms of Ishad Ustaz, the guidance from the teacher, is that, and this is something that I told, I tell students, I've been telling students at the end of the course of their study. The students from last year's group, I told them at the very end. The students at Quran Intensive, I told them at the very end. But I realize, I'm going to say this to you in the very beginning, and then I'm going to remind you about it all the way at the very end. Alright? And it's your job to stay on top of this throughout the whole way. The purpose, the benefit, the end goal of seeking this knowledge. Put down to the most very basic level. Stated absolutely basically. The purpose, the goal of seeking knowledge is to become a better person. In the Islamic context, iman and amal salih to believe, to become stronger in your connection with Allah, in your relationship with Allah, and to become a better human being. And amalu salih, salih means for your affairs to be in order. Salah is not righteousness like piety, like prayer, salah, dhikr, Qur'an. No, no, no. Salah is the antonym, the opposite of fasad. It means for someone to have all their affairs in order. My, your family life should have improved. The way you talk to your parents should have improved. The time that you spent with your kids should have improved. The way you deal with your neighbors should have improved. You know, our teachers used to tell us that even the way you drive should get better. Because one of my teachers ended up visiting, visiting here one time. During the course of our study, Ramadan, we would be off and he ended up visiting. And of course, it's my teacher. So I was driving him around and he was very disappointed. Because I was cutting people off and I was, you know... Speeding through and turned yellow, it's actually red, but no, I got it, right? So speeding through and things, like not driving very properly. I was young, so I wasn't driving very properly. He told me, pull over. Literally, pull over. I was like, this isn't Pakistan, I can't just pull over anywhere. So found a parking lot, pulled into the parking lot, I was like, everything okay? Can I get you some water? Can I get you something? And he's like, what's wrong with you? I said, what do you mean? He goes, I look at everybody and everybody drives so nicely and politely and properly and then you have you like an animal running around on the street. What's wrong with you? I was like, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, that's how we drive. These people are slow. He was like, no. Number one, you're a believer. You're a Muslim. Even the way you drive is part of your da'wah. Number two, you're a talibul ilm. Student of knowledge and you cut people off on the road. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I was like, subhanAllah, never even thought of that. So iman and amal salih that is the end goal, to become a better person. And I said this, the, the, the benefit, the, the end goal of learning Arabic, learning Arab, learning sarf al-nahu, learning balagha, learning tafsir, learning Quran or aqidah or hadith or fiqh, it doesn't matter what you study, the end goal is to simply become a better person. If you find improvement within yourself, you were successful even though you're still having trouble doing i'rab at some places, but you became a better person, successful. Alhamdulillah. But if you learned a lot, you could do i'rab in your sleep. You were the best student in the class, but you didn't become a better person through it. 
then I hate to say it, but you wasted your time. Very honestly, I, I, I can't lie to you here. That's part of the purpose of intensive settings, full-time learning. Is that now it's not just a feel-good session. I'm not just here to give you a pat on the back for two days and send you on your way, hoping that you will find your way later on down the road. No, no, now we're here to talk, you know, as a good friend of mine says, real talk. We're not going to beat around the bush anymore. Going to get to the point. So you wasted your time. That's a cold, hard, honest truth. And so that's the akhlaq, the khuluq that we learn from our learning. وَإِرْشَادُ أُسْتَاذ And so part of learning ilm is learning from a teacher. And you learn from the character, from the conduct, from everything from that teacher. Not just what's in the book, but you learn everything from that teacher. The next thing is, and the final thing that we didn't talk about yesterday, the sixth thing is, وَطُولُ زَمَانٍ And this is kind of interesting. And this will be a little interesting to talk to you guys about. Tulu zamanin means a long duration of time. Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu is saying that somebody who really wants to achieve knowledge will have to invest a long period of time. Tulu zamanin. A long chunk of his life. A large chunk of his life you have to invest. Now, you obviously understand that. How many of you before you came here had studied grammar in any capacity. Taken any type of a stab at grammar. Most of you. Alright? You obviously realized one weekend, two weeks, three weeks, you know, wasn't working for you anymore. According to what you wanted to achieve and accomplish, you knew you needed to invest more time. That's why you took out a year and you came here to invest a year of your life. Similarly, I also want you to understand. I really, really commend the sacrifice that you've made. And there are some amongst you have made very huge sacrifices to be here. So I definitely commend the sacrifice you've made. But at, at the same time, you need, to, you need to understand. You need to put it into context. What's meant by a large part of your life, a long time invested into studying your ilm? That I'll use... One of the best examples I can think of. Because we should shoot to be the best. Abu Hanifa rahimahullah. Great scholar of our time, uh, of our history. Amazing scholar. People benefit from his work and his contribution still today. Abu Hanifa rahimahullah studied from many, many teachers. But the primary of his teachers, like his mentor, was a great scholar by the name of Hamad. Alright, I mentioned that yesterday. Abu Hanifa rahimahullah studied with Hamad for about 12 or 13 years. 12 or 13 years. And he was studying with a lot of people at that time, but when I meant that he studied with him, he literally lived with him. He followed him everywhere he went. He watched him, he observed him, he learned everything from him. For not one year, not two years, not three years, not ten years, 13 years. And then at the end of 13 years, Hamad finally tells him, he goes, I got nothing more to offer to you. I have nothing more I could teach you. I personally think you're a lot more qualified than I am at this point. You need to go. And Abu Hanifa rahimahullah literally tells him at that time, he goes, if you don't mind, would you be okay with me staying longer if I wanted to? He's like, I guess if you want to, I can't stop you. So he's like, okay, I'll stick, her, I'll stick it out. I'll be around here. And he stayed with Hamad till Hamad passed away, seven years later. 
20 years spent learning from one teacher. And at the end of studying from him for 20 years, Abu Hanifa, by the way, at this time was about 39, almost 40 years old. Or no, excuse me, he was a little past 40. He was 41 or 42 years old. We think Abu Hanifa, you, you just, the, the image, Imam Bukhari, Abu Hanifa, when you think of these type of people, automatically you think like, ah, oh, when they were born, they were already reciting the Qur'an. It's like, you know, they were in the hospital, also it's like somebody's reading Quran with, it's the baby, oh my God, right? So it's like, that's what you expect, that's what you think, right? They were four years old giving fatwa, like boom, son. So that's, that's what you perceive, that's what we expect. But you don't think about the fact that Abu Hanifa rahimullah, did not log a single hour of teaching till he was 40 plus years old. He did not teach till he was 40. What did he do that whole time? Wasting his time, sleeping? No, he was studying. He was studying. Learning at that level. And his contributions reflect that, don't it? His students be- went on to become the shuyukh of their time. When we say these illustrious names, like Imam Muhammad and Abu Yusuf and Zufar, these were the students of Abu Hanifa. Abdullah bin Mubarak, rahimahullah, great scholar, student of Abu Hanifa. We just think about that. So, Tulu Zaman, investing in time. So by telling you this, I mean to, I want you to understand two things. Number one, I want you to value the time that you've put in here. And that you are going to be putting in here. Because without investing this time, you can't really achieve anything at all. This much time is necessary. Shaitan will creep in in a couple of months. Say, bro, sis man, stuff is like slow paced. Gotta keep up with all the slow people in the room. And teacher likes to take his time. And then we got that one day a week where I don't know what they're talking about. And I could have I basically done all this in about three months. They just drew this program out and dragged me out of here for ten months. No, no, investing time is very important. You can't measure time like that. The time you invest, you learn so much from that that you can't quantify. And that's why I said, stop thinking of knowledge as a commodity. You can't measure ilm in, in, in its true form. It cannot be measured. And the second thing I want you to realize is, and I, again, this is something I will tell you again at the end of your course of study. But I'm going to tell you right here in the beginning. Because I want you to be mindful of this the entire time. After you have invested 10 months a year into studying your ilm, at the end of all of it, you've accomplished a lot. And I'll tell you this right now, and I have no qualms about telling you this. When you walk into a room, you will know more than 90% of the people in that room. I'm guaranteeing that much to you. That's not so much of a, that's not so much an accomplishment on your part as much as it is an indictment of where the Ummah is today, unfortunately. Alright? Nevertheless, when you walk into a room, you will know more than 95% of people in the room. But at that time, you need, you will have to, you must keep yourself humble. I haven't done anything. I'm a child, I'm a baby. That that's, has to be in your mind. I'm an infant in ilm. I'm just basically the guy still standing at the edge of the pool, just kind of dipping my toe in the water. Just still checking if it's cold or it's hot. Is it cold or it's hot? You have to realize that. It's very, very important. So, tulu zamanin, investing time into your in, into your study. Um, and I, I'll leave you with one final note, just a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. This goes back to the first, first, very first point that I talked to you about, and that was the intention. 
And I kind of completed that part of it today when I talked about, well, the intention through studying ilm needs to be not amassing knowledge, not information, not knowing more than somebody else, but it is to become a better person. And I'll leave you with this hadith, and typically it is part of the sunnah, and I, it's my own personal preference to leave things on a higher note. But I'm going to go ahead and leave you with something heavy to chew on, to think on, to sleep on tonight. The Prophet of Allah wasallam tells us in a hadith about the three people that will be brought before all of mankind, all of humanity, and will be judged before all of humanity in their presence. And the Prophet of Allah وسلم, tells us one of those individuals will be Rajulun Ta'allam al ilma wa'allamahu wa qara al Qur'ana. It will be a man who learned knowledge and he taught it to others and he recited the Qur'an, he read the Qur'an. And remember, when the Prophet of Allah says he read the Qur'an, reading the Qur'an had a different meaning 1400 years ago than it does today. Today, Alhamdulillah, I read the Qur'an. That's not what it meant. Qari'ul Qur'an, Qira'atul Qur'an, to them meant to read it, to understand it, to memorize it, and to live it, practice it, and preach it onto others. It was a full package deal. Alright? So the Prophet of Allah is saying this person read the Qur'an. He invested his life into the Qur'an. فَأُتِيَ بِهِ This person will be brought, he'll be dragged forth. فَعَرَّفَهُ اللَّهُ نِعْمَهُ فَعَرَفَهَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remind him of all of his blessings. And that person will acknowledge all the blessings. قَالَ فَمَا عَمَلْتَ فِيهَا فَمَا عَمَلْتَ فِيهَا What did you do with all of these blessings? He'll say at that time, قَالَ تَعَلَّمْتُ الْعِلْمَ وَعَلَّمْتُهُ وَقَرَأْتُ فِيكَ الْقُرْآنِ say, I learned ilm, O oh Allah. I learned knowledge and I taught it to others and I read the Qur'an only for you. I lived I tried to live the Qur'an, make my life revolve around the Qur'an for your sake, O oh Allah. قَالَ اللَّهُ لَهُ كَذَبْتَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell him, you lie. You lie. And then Allah will say, وَلَكِنَّكَ تَعَلَّمْتَ Rather, why did you learn it? لِيُقَالُوا عَالِمٌ So that it would be said, super scholar, the man, he's awesome, he's amazing. Facebook status update. Alimun, he's a big deal, bro. He's amazing. He's awesome. وَقَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ لِيُقَالْ وَهُوَ قَارِ And you recited the Qur'an. You read the Qur'an so that it could be saved. That dude knows the Qur'an, bro. That guy's amazing. He knows his stuff. فَقَدَ قِيلَ So you got what you wanted. It was said. ثُمَّ أَمَرَ بِهِ فَسُحِبَ عَلَى وَجِهِهِ حَتَّى أُلْقِيَ فِي النَّارِ and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will command the angels, come and get this guy. فَسُحِبَ عَلَى وَجِهِ And then that person will be dragged on his face. So the imagery in Arabic is that he's being held by his leg and he's being dragged face down on the ground. And he'll be dragged حَتَّى أُلْقِيَ فِي النَّارِ Until he will be thrown into the fire. رواه Muslim. This is from the Sahih of Muslim. It's a really heavy hadith. And like I told you, it's personally not my habit to leave things like fire and brimstone and scary stuff. But again, this is a different arena. This is a different opportunity. This is a different environment that we're in. We're here to get serious. And so I just want you to have that in front of you. What is your goal? What is your intention? What is your objective? 
So inshallah, we've gone a little over time. We'll go ahead and stop here. Uh, we'll continue our sessions for the next few days, Wednesday and Thursday, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the ability to solely seek His pleasure through the pursuit and the teach of, teaching of our ilm. Jazakumullah khair.